This is a podcast from Tbilisi International Christian Fellowship, a gathering of many nations who are one in Christ. This sermon is from our series on the first letter of John called Life in God's Love. Today's scripture comes from 1 John chapter 2. Verses 18 through 27. Children, it is the last hour. As you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. From this we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But by going out, they made it plain that none of them belongs to us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and all of you have knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and you know that that no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Everyone who confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is what He has promised us, eternal life. I write these things to you concerning those who would deceive you. As for you, the anointing that you receive from Him abides in you. And so you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, abide in him. This is the word of the Lord. It's good to be with you this evening, this afternoon. It looks kind of like evening out there today, doesn't it? My family and I made a quick trip up to Bakariani because we heard it was going to snow up there. We wanted to see some snow this Christmas season. And then we came back and it's snowing here. So what do you know? We brought it with us. We brought it with us. So the, the scripture reading today is quite a passage. It starts off, so children, it is the last hour. The Antichrist is here. As you may know, we're going through a couple or a few sermon series this year. Um, the one that I am partaking in is uh, reading through the gospel, or not the gospel, the book of First John, the letter to uh, one of his churches. And a preaching team is taking us through that. And the good Lord was, was good enough to bless me with a passage about the Antichrists. And I have some triggers about that because I grew up in the 70s and the 80s, back when they had movies like... Uh, the Thief in the Night. Anybody ever see that movie? Okay. And The Rapture, another great movie. I remember many summer camps going off to camp, and Friday night was always movie night, and we kind of dreaded it a little bit because they would pop popcorn and invite us into the chapel and then flash this title in blood red across the screen The Thief in the Night. 
or the rapture. It'd always be people like, ah, or running, you know, it's like scary, scary stuff. And, uh, and then afterwards, they'd have this big time where they'd call you down to the altar to, to give your life to Jesus because you were so terrified of anything else. You'd do it, and you'd do it summer after summer after summer. And if it wasn't the movies, it was the predictions. that We, we had a lot of predictions back then of when Jesus was coming back, day, month, year. One guy, you know, he, he'd, he'd announced it was going to happen, and then it didn't happen. And so he'd be like, oh, I miscalculated. I forgot to carry a one, or the decimal point was in the wrong place or something. So he'd pick another date, and then that one didn't happen. And it's happened a few times, and finally he just said, oh, a, year is a, a day is as if a year for God. And then he quit predicting. We had a lot of that going on. And if it wasn't that, then we had people who were, who were pointed at as the Antichrist. Uh, presidents, leaders of countries, leaders of global religious movements were sometimes labeled. Rock stars, purple dinosaurs were called the Antichrist back then. I mean, it was crazy. I mean, you had people like um, Bill Gates, tech icon called the Antichrist. Technology itself was often called the Antichrist. Credit cards were going to universalize money, and that was a sign that the Antichrist was there. And all this stuff that I just had to deal with growing up. So when you start talking about the Antichrist, when you start reading about it, I kind of get triggered a little bit there, and I get a little nervous. These movies that we talked about, they always had that guy that was like in a white Italian suit. And, and lots of gold and perfect teeth and shiny shoes. And, and you didn't want to trust him, even though it seemed like in the movie everybody trusted him. I still have trouble trusting people with perfect teeth and shiny shoes. So if you have perfect teeth and shiny shoes, I'm sorry. Come to me. I'd like to get to know you better. But it's going to take some time. So we have all this stuff that we come to, and I'm... I have to remind myself sometimes, preaching is not therapy, so I'm going to back up a minute. We're going to get back to John, okay? We're going to talk about John. In this John passage, he is, he's got this warning to his, his, his congregation, his church that he's writing to. And uh, I like the way that um, Eugene Peterson translated this beginning of, the, of this, this passage. He's the one that, that uh, translated the message. It's kind of a paraphrased, common language reading. So he says, children, the time is about up. You heard that the Antichrist is coming. Well, they're all over the place. Antichrists everywhere you look. That's how we know that we're close to the end. So John's not writing about the Antichrist, the shiny shoes, perfect teeth guy, right? He's saying they're already with us. We've seen them come and go. It's not the one that we kind of think of in Revelation that he wrote about. But it's, it's more of a, a concept than a person that John is writing about. See, often we, we see that word anti in English, and, and we think about against, something that's pushing against something else, or like antibiotics. It's, it's fighting against these biotic, bi, what's the word? I lost it. Um, bacteria, thank you. 
There's bacteria in, in, in your bodies, and it's pushing against and trying to destroy. And that's not what the, the, the real meaning of this Antichrist is. It's actually, it kind of means other than. So he's talking about these people who have a message about Christ that is other than the true message of Christ, the true gospel that John and, and, his, and his fellow apostles and pastors have been teaching. So we're not looking out for that one. He does mention the one, but he also mentions all these others that have been among us. They've been with us in the congregation. and They're not with us anymore. They're gone. It would be nice, see, if he were to point to somebody and say, oh, you see Caesar over there? Yeah, that's the guy. He's the Antichrist. Don't listen to him. Watch out for him. That would make it easy for us to know what John was getting at. But he doesn't. He simply says that the one that denies that Jesus is the Christ, that is the Antichrist. That's the concept that he's talking about in these Antichrists. So as we delve deeper into this, um, it's often good for us to look at what the author was talking about to his original audience. And John was not necessarily speaking. He talks about this last hour, and he was one of the few that actually used this term in the New Testament, the last hour. But as we understand it, John believed himself to be living in this time after Christ had gone into heaven, before Christ had come back. And this period of time that we find ourselves in as well is like the end time, the last hour, the time when the church is going to have to push to get the gospel message out, and it's going to find resistance from the world. Not just resistance out there in the world, but sometimes resistance inside the walls of the church. And so this is the time that he's talking about, that we urgently need to be aware of what's being taught, what's being said, and what's happening all around us. So he's he's speaking about this time where we're going to see... um, a time of testing, a time of, of crisis for the church, a time when we have to labor to advance the cause of Christ in the world, a time when we'll see death and destruction, famine, pestilence. But in this passage, he specifically speaks to the rising up of these antichrists, the ones who have already come to sow deception and disunity into the church. The false teachers of John's day, they were teaching about whether Jesus was fully God and fully human at the same time. Um, and there were some other, other teachers that were just trying to take the message, and they were really close to the truth. But like I just moved, they were a little off to the side, and they were trying to, to draw people into that message. So we're not talking about pushing against Christ, that there is no Christ, that that, uh, that idea that, that, that Christ was a, a good teacher, but not really the Son of God, it was, it was actually really close to what was being taught, but just enough off to draw people away into, um, into this area of murkiness and this, this deceptive area. So we've got the final hour. We've got the, uh, the teachings that were going on in his church. And... Uh, And he does have a couple things that he says. Um, He doesn't just leave them with this warning about the Antichrist. He goes on, actually most of this passage, to talk about um, what to do, how to address it. He leaves them with encouragement. 
with um, a direction on how not to be drawn into these false teachings. He, he, hits this tra- um, he hits this transition from this danger to what to do by saying, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, which is an amazing encouragement, I think, and that you already know the truth. You have been anointed by the Holy One, therefore you cannot be led astray. You know the truth, and no one can sway you from that. And you're not going to fall to these false teachers. You already know the truth that we have been teaching you. You just simply need to abide in that truth. Stay in it. Don't go away from it. Because that's where you will continue to be taught the true meaning of Christ and what that means. The Spirit will teach you. The Spirit will guide you. will help you understand what's right and what's wrong, what's holy and what's anti-holy. Abide with the Son, and in doing so, the Father will abide in you. This concept of abiding, um, John's written about it a lot. Um, and it, and it, for some of us who really like to do things, abiding is not comfortable. Abiding seems quite passive at times. And sometimes we just don't understand fully what it means. Is it, are you supposed to read your Bible? Are you supposed to pray every day? Is it fasting? Is it, you know, what is it? What is abiding in the Son and in the Father? Just what does he mean by abiding? I think I can help us get an idea of this through a story of something in my family in the past. Um, when I was a kid, we used to take crazy vacations. Okay? Now, I'm not talking like Disneyland and stuff like that. We, we couldn't afford that kind of thing. What we would do is we would find a, a friend or a relative that lived in a part of the country that we've never been before, and we would go visit them and stay with them. And it was the cheap way to do this. And not only that, we would kind of map our way across the United States based on where we knew people that we could stay with. So before Airbnb and all that, we had like friend B&B. So we would drive way out of the way just to get to a place where we knew somebody that would let us stay with them. And it's actually a great way to do it. You get to see people, you get to be in relationship with people, you get to not pay a lot of money for a hotel, and of course you lose out on the swimming pools. But hey, it worked for our family. But there was one summer that we were going out to Washington, D.C. to visit my aunt and uncle. And we hit one stretch of this trip where we didn't know anybody. And it took us through North Carolina. Anybody from North Carolina? No. Okay. Took us through North Carolina. We didn't know anybody there. And so we had to stay somewhere. So my dad found this campground that I think might have been as close to an abandoned campground as you might be able to find. I have no doubt that in the 50s that maybe this place was just the place to be. But it had since deteriorated. It was quite empty. And they rented us a cabin um, in the woods at this spooky campground for a little bit of money. And it was, it was nice for our family. It was, it was a place the kids could play and, and all of that. And so my dad and I went up to the big log building that was the front place that you registered. And we went in. And while my dad was doing uh, the paying of the bills and the signing of the stuff, I found this 
place that had, uh, it was like this, this rack, and it had all these cards in it, and very big pictures and, and beautiful letters and all that stuff. It was really interesting to me. And if you've ever traveled through America, these are pretty common in hotels. It's like, it tells you all the fun things to do in that area. And you can just pull a card and, and go to this place and, and you can do whatever. You know, you can see the world's largest, um, I don't know, ball of string. Or you can, we have some crazy stuff in America that you can, you can visit. But this one I pulled out showed this family. I'm assuming they're a family. They looked like a family. They were pretty happy. And they were on this boat on this river. And the river was really fast. And there was white water going all over the place. And they were smiling and laughing and having a good time on this big rubber boat shooting down the river. And I was like, Dad, look at this. And my dad got a twinkle in his eye. Now, I have since learned that whenever my dad gets this twinkle in his eye, somebody's going to either get hurt or we're going to have a lot of fun. There's not a lot in between. Somebody's going to get hurt or we're going to have a lot of fun or we're going to have a lot of fun getting hurt. Okay? That's pretty much it. And my dad took the card, and he was like, I think we're going to do this. And suddenly, that happy family on there, I got a little more nervous about it. I was like, I don't know, you know, he's smiling and, and death-defying water rapids and things. But he was all excited about it. So the next morning, we got up, and we followed the, the directions, and we got to this place on this river. And, and there was like this, I don't know, he seemed older, but I'm sure he was like 16, and, and he was like, he was like, all right, you guys ready to go? And he took us out and he got us the, like, the, the life vest for the kids and the, the, the paddles. And he showed us where our boat was. And he's like, okay, each of you pick up a corner and you carry it down to the river. And so we're carrying it down there. And we get down and we set it on the edge of the river. And, and he checks my sister's life vest and my life vest. And we're all in tight. It was the 70s, so mom and dad didn't have to have life vests. And none of us wore helmets. So it was all you know, fun and games. Um, and, he, and we set the boat in the water, and we got ready to push out, and the, and the, the 16-year-old kid goes, do you want, some, you want some lessons on how to do this? And my dad said, no, no, we know what we're doing. It's fine. And he pushed the thing off into the water. And I could hear my mom saying, Herschel, we don't know what we're doing. And my dad saying, how hard can it be? So we pushed it out in the water. My sister's like not wanting to get wet because that's what teenage girls do. They just don't want to get wet. And I was thinking to myself, we're all going to die. And as we get in the water, the, 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 the teenage guy runs out and grabs the boat. And it's, it's like pulling us downstream, but he grabs the boat and he goes, wait a minute, I forgot to tell you about Dinosaur Hole. And I was like, all ears. I was like, what, what, what? He goes, when you get fast past the third bridge, I want you to look to the right for a sign that used to say danger. And when you see that sign, you need to be all the way on the left of the river. Otherwise, you'll hit dinosaur hole. And you don't want to hit dinosaur hole. Dad said, okay. He let go. And we headed off down the river. And we weren't, we weren't 10 meters down that river before we hit our first log spun us around. So we're going like this down the river. We're hitting rocks over here. We're hitting stuff over here. Dad's yelling, Jenny, paddle. Jeff, paddle backwards. And we're like, just, you know, paddling this way. And Jenny's paddling this way. And mom's praying because that's what mom does. (laughs) 
And we're just, we're just bumping and dragging our way down the river. We're hitting sandbars and getting stuck and having to get out and push it back into the river and just fighting each other with all of our paddling and all of our arguing and everybody's upset. And finally, Dad, we get stuck on the sandbar and he's like, get out of the boat. And he sends us all up onto the side and we pull our boat over to the side and, and uh, we sit down. And my sister's like upset because she fell out three times already and got really wet. And my mom's praying because that's what mom does. And I'm thinking about Dinosaur Hole and trying to remember how many bridges we've gone under already. And just, I, I lost count. I couldn't keep track. And, uh, and my dad is just sitting on a rock looking at the water. And he's off by himself, I'm sure, because he's probably saying some things to the river that he doesn't want us to hear. But he's off over there. And suddenly he says, hey, come here. Everybody over here. So we all come over to the rock he's sitting on. He's like, do you see that stick? We're like, okay, yeah, there's a big like, tree limb floating down the river. He's like, watch it. And as we watched it go by, it avoided every rock, every sandbar, every tree that had fallen in the river, and just floated its happy little way down the river. And he's like, that's where we need to be, way out there in the fast part in the middle. So we head out, get in the boat. Everybody's kind of invigorated again. We just paddle as hard as we can to get out in the middle when suddenly it just grabs the boat and just takes us. And we're sitting there. We're hardly having to work at all. We're just paddling along. And then before long, my dad splashes my sister with water and she laughs instead of getting angry. She splashes back. Mom is maybe opening her eyes, not praying quite as hard anymore and looking around at the beautiful mountains. I forgot to count bridges. I wasn't looking for signs that used to say stuff. We're having a great time just cruising down the middle of this river. After a while, my dad says, hey, Jeff, look over there. And we look over to the right, back up behind us, and there's Dinosaur Hole. We didn't even see the the warning signs. We just cruised right past it. Of course, as we looked back, that stick that we saw before up the river, it was stuck in the middle, just churning its way. It couldn't get out of Dinosaur Hole. But we were safe. We had gotten around it. We had the greatest day ever. And I tell you that story because I want to talk about abiding in the truth, in Jesus Christ, by looking at this river. I mean, our family, we were so caught up in doing things our way, thinking we knew what we were doing watching for the warning signs, being afraid of the dinosaur hole, that we were nowhere near where we needed to be. But once we got out into the center, into the the, the current of the river, we hardly had to work at all. Now, we, we occasionally got a little bump that got us headed out, and we recognized it. Things got choppy. Things We saw things, and we were able to paddle our way back into the, into the main current. But when the big rocks came and the white water came, I'm sure we looked just as happy as the people on that card that I picked up back at the cabin because we were, we were enjoying this trip down the river. And I think what John's talking about here is a lot like that, that Abiding in him means getting out there into the scary part, into the fast-moving part, and then realizing that it's not as scary as it, as it seemed. 
but it's actually safer because you're not getting all the clutter. You're not getting all the stuff on the sides, on the shoreline. You're not fighting against each other. You're just able to um, enjoy this life-moving experience with Him. Sometimes in life, we try to do all the hard work ourselves. We get to be focusing on the wrong tasks or the fights, or we get scared and focused on a dinosaur hole. And we try to do it all on our own. We can easily become drawn in by these antichrists that John is writing about. We start looking for help. We start looking for healing. We start looking for wealth or satisfaction or comfort that these false teachers are talking about. But if we get way out there in the middle, in the scary part, in the fast part, we get to abide with him. He directs us around all the rocks and debris. He even protects us from that big, scary dinosaur hole. And when we're out there, we also get a strong sense of when we're getting off off that track, we're getting out of that current. We begin to understand what is correct and what is incorrect in the teachings that we're hearing. We begin to understand uh, what's the correct current and what will drag us off into the scary stuff. See, he says, you've already been anointed by the Holy One. You know what it feels like to be in the middle, to be cruising along with God, to understand what that feels like. And if you stay there, then you will learn the ways of God. You will learn what He desires for your life. You will learn what it is that's correct and what's carrying the church in the right direction. And you will understand when you're getting off into the stuff that doesn't matter. Abide in Him, and you'll not be drawn away from the true Christ. In here, he writes, If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he has promised us, eternal life. Now, we have a bit of understanding of what maybe the author was wanting to convey uh, to his, his original audience, what he's wanting to say. But what is he wanting to say to us today? In today's day and age, the church is not under the same kinds of attacks that John's church was. Back then, this new Christian church um, there were a lot of false teachings, a lot of people that were, were skewing the, the teachings of, of Jesus and while he was here, and the apostles were fighting hard to, to write those. And most of the New Testament is the apostles writing to their churches, trying to bring them back into alignment with the original teachings of Jesus. But today, our church today, we've been through so many councils we have creeds that state what, what every church should believe. We've uh, got doctrine, we've got history, we've got polity, we've got all this richness in our different faith traditions and our different branches and denominations of, of the Christian church. I mean, we certainly still have some disagreements, and there certainly are still false teachers. There still are the antichrists among us and who have gone out from us. But I don't want to get into naming all those. It's all just kind of, you know, unimportant for what we're talking about today. What we need to remember about these antichrists is that they are anyone that te- that's teaching an alternative message from what the gospel and the early church apostles were teaching. 
It could be a global church movement that draws people away from the truth, or it could be those right here in our walls who choose to grumble and, and, and have different ideas that are trying to stir up discontent. I'm not pointing fingers. I'm, I'm probably talking about a different church, not this one. But it's important to remember that John leaves us with two safeguards against this kind of deception. We've talked a little bit about one of them. We've talked a little bit about both of them. Let me just wrap up by, by reviewing them. The two safeguards are not to fight publicly with them. It's not using the government to legislate against whatever voice you're finding annoying at the time. It's not even addressing them one-on-one, necessarily. What he gives your, the advice he gives is to uh, first make sure that the, the uh, apostolic teaching about Christ remains in them. The things the apostles taught them, they need to remain true to those. Keep those in there, abide in them. If they do so, he says, then you will abide in the Son and in the Father. That you will stay out of the fa- that, that they will stay out of the fast part of the river. They'll avoid you'll avoid all the junk along the shores. And if you remain tight to the teachings that the apostles, that Jesus, the gospel message that we have, then you'll stay abiding with the Father and the Son. But the second safeguard is the anointing that they have already received. It says the anointing from the Holy One. And that anointing is most likely talking about the Holy Spirit. Jesus speaks about, uh, about this, this gift of the Spirit that will come upon you, this anointing that came over uh, the, the disciples in the upper room, and this anointing of the Holy Spirit that comes upon you when you come into relationship with Jesus. And he actually says that for you, the anointing that you received from him abides in you, so you don't need any of this kind of teaching. Well, that's a kind of a dangerous passage for a preacher to put out there, isn't it? If you got the Holy Spirit, you don't need to listen to us. No, you need to listen, okay? But we, in turn, need to listen to the Holy Spirit as well. And uh, so when you remain, when you abide in him, his spirit will abide in you. It will guide you. When the false teachers appear, when the distractions come, when our pace of life or anxiety or anger begin to draw us away from the truth that we've already learned, when we begin to get into those shallow, dangerous waters, the Spirit will gently guide us and sometimes not so gently guide us back into the abiding in Him in that center current of water. And it will render the voices of the Antichrists useless. Doesn't say fight them. Doesn't say argue with them. Doesn't say comment on their Facebook posts. It says, look here where you are. Are you abiding in him? Is he abiding in you? And if you do that, those voices of the Antichrists will be rendered useless. They won't be able to draw you away. 
So if you find yourself cruising the rapids, tapped into the power of the Spirit, guiding and teaching you, that's what you need to find out. When you start hearing these voices, start thinking about what you're hearing around you. Instead of arguing with them, look at yourself. Are you there? Are you in the current, shooting the rapids, feeling that feeling of God, the Holy Spirit, directing you and moving you and teaching you and moving you forward? Are you feeling that? Or are you bumping into rocks and sandbars and all the junk that's out there? looking for maybe an easier gospel to follow. If you find yourself bickering and complaining, all of that stuff, check yourself. Am I abiding in him? And if you're here today and you haven't yet made a choice, whether you believe this Jesus thing or not, and something today has, has touched your heart, I welcome you to come find me down here after the service. I'd love to continue that conversation. I'd love to get you out into the, into the current, tapped in, abiding in Him. It's an amazing feeling, an amazing sense of, of freedom from all the stuff around us in life. And I'd just like to challenge all of us this week to just reflect on where we are. Are we hearing those voices, and are we starting to listen to them? Or are we wholly focused on the teachings that we're hearing from the Word of God? And are we allowing the Holy Spirit, that anointing that you've already received, to teach you, to move you, to guide you, to comfort you in hard times, all of the things that Christ came to give us and sent His Spirit for, the, for this time in between, this last hour, to help us to move the church forward in a, in a world that is against us. Pray with me, if you will. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity to hear your word. I don't know all the people here, what they're hearing, what they're saying, what they're sensing. Father, I just thank you for the anointing. I thank you for the Holy Spirit that comes, that guides, that comforts, that addresses the false teachings, that helps us to stay true to what we've learned and what we are learning. May we abide in you. Lord, may we learn what that really means this week. May we just sense what it feels like to be truly connected to you in a new way. May your kingdom come, Lord. May your will be done here in Tbilisi, in our region, and in our world. In your name we pray. Amen. This podcast was from Tbilisi International Christian Fellowship. Learn more about us online at ticf-georgia.org. Thanks for listening.